Ciao Carlo, very, very nice to meet you. And um, I would probably do a very, very bad job introducing you. And like, like some of the, well, one of the concepts of this talk is that we really don't need to be self-contained. You know, so the idea is this can be free and, um, but it would be great if you would just give us a little bit of an outline of what you do and who you are. Okay. Uh, so maybe I'm a strange person because, uh, started as a cardiologist, but first I started to play guitar, classic guitar for, for many years. Mm Uh, even in the conservatory. Uh, then I went uh, practicing Kung Fu. Actually, I practiced Kung Fu since I was much younger when I was seven, now, now I'm 63. And then I, I was always curious about uh, trying to help people with, with the disease. And this is what I promised to my mother, uh, to help her just in case she, she eventually or got sick and then uh, so uh, I went to the school of medicine uh, became an MD and then a cardiologist but then I saw too many people die in the coronary care unit so I, I thought it was uh, better if I I would really try to to do something to help people and then uh, I started to do research uh, which is actually my, my real uh, commitment so I uh, became a molecular biologist then I, I, I went into the trip to think that the heart I was like uh, like a sort of very intelligent brain, not just a mechanical pump. And at that time, I'm speaking about 1987, 88, uh, that was like kind of an erratic uh, assumption. So I, I left Italy and I went to the United States. And so I've been for more than 12, 12, 13 years there, not continuously. I've been in Baltimore in a branch of the NIH doing research on And, and on this issue. So finally, I provided evidence that uh, the, the same molecules that we have in the brain that are associated with uh, um, cognitive uh, uh, efforts or, or with pain or the antagonizing pain or making calculation and coming out of the calculation and have some, some, some more uh, broader perspective of who we are, which are we call the endorphins or opioid peptides. They are indeed produced by the heart at a very high level, much higher than in the brain. So actually, I, I started to realize there was a kind of a connection between the, the ancient Chinese traditional medicine where uh, the, the source for uh, the thoughts and thinking is in the heart, it's not in the brain. And so we started to think about a sort of heart-brain axis instead of brain to heart axis that was conceived initially and uh, but at the same time uh, we we found some intriguing stuff that the same molecules that were present in the brain and the heart they were inducing the process of cardiogenesis which which is the start uh, of the heart at the embryonic level so the heart is the, the first Morphogenetic events, not only not only in humans, but only, even in rodents, in insects, it starts from the heart. Then the nervous system develops, and these systems are somehow entangled throughout the entire life. And, uh, and what fascinated me was that we were able to transform uh, even cancer cells, uh, cancer embryonic stem cells, which we call embryoma carcinoma, into spontaneously beating myocardial cells. So from the most powerful tumor in rodents, we could come up with the most differentiated cells. So I started to think about 
the, the meaning of shapes, even in a metaphoric way, not, not just the shapes, the anatomy, but something that entails information, entails a sort of uh, design. And so uh, I, I came up with the issue that basically what we were uh, focusing on, like the chemistry, the genome, the proteome, all this stuff is a sort of hardware but the software is somewhere else. The software is, is a physical design that uh, it's made by, by vibrations, by magnetic fields, by light, which is a form of electromagnetic radiation by sound. And so um, by, by providing the first evidence that we could actually do much better with a magnetic field or with the sound vibrations compared with chemistry in order to, to orchestrate the fate of stem cells. I, I, I recognized all this with the, let's say, the vibrational nature of the universe. We are embedded in this. We're part of it. So uh, as, uh, if we think about ourselves like sort of an antenna, then we, we have basically no limit, but I say this in a very humble way. Uh, if we think that everything is human-centered, then we, we destroy our uh, uh, unlimited nature. And this, this uh, so, so at the same time, uh, I realized that uh, the sound, the colors, let's say you are in front of, of a painting, you are exposing yourself to a photobiomodulation. So the, the colors, and they are acting on you. And now we know that we have uh, not only uh, photoreceptors, so receptors sensitive to light, which is an electromagnetic addition. We don't have this only in our eyes. We have in the veins, we have in other parts of the brain, we have inside, in any organ, we have what we call the, the chromophores. Mm -hmm. So these are molecules that emit photons. And by doing that, they, they start vibrating mechanically. Or if you if you send a mechanical vibration, then they will start emitting photons. Or if you expose these molecules to an electromagnetic field, they will vibrate and emit light at the same time. But if you think about sound, vibration, emotions, and colors, and uh, these are, this, since ever, the, the, the expressive instruments for arts. So that, that's the way we started with uh, about 11 years ago with BID. Uh, our science did this uh, coming from the it's a sort of it's a mixed Latin imperative vida tried to see things with different eyes so uh, then we started with journey with many artists uh, uh, but not just saying okay you see this cell it's beautiful so maybe just a piece of art no just designing the experiment and uh, uh, trying to to make science sort of beautiful dame that that uh, is accompanying uh, everybody to up to the verge of the southern line where, where the the power uh, the exaggerated power of science will will die and and leave and seize the the step to to other way of exploring what we are and then uh, so in, in this way basically uh, artists and science are, are, they, they share the, the same common pathways you know and so then uh, then uh, I met with Milford many years ago mm -hmm. and it was really great sadly he passed away just very recently but yes I heard it yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting like it was maybe eight minutes that you talked and it seems like you uh, you summarized all your life <laughs> 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 but <laughs> 
but uh, I want to I want to dig deeper in certain in certain at certain yeah. points in this story. Um, so first of all, maybe let's start with uh, with maybe one of the uh, kind of like most obvious, um, like how how much how much skepticism did you have to fight in your life? A lot, <laughs> a lot, because uh, of course, uh, saying these things, uh, you you immediately go out of the mainstream. So, yeah. but um, I, I didn't want to to you know to to publish these studies in alternative journals. I do prefer to to send them in very strong, high impact journals, just because we we have a moral obligation to change things, so to force. Uh, um, even the, the so-called establishment in thinking in a different way, mm -hmm. um, because uh, I think it's an error to, to keep uh, new new ideas, new seminal discoveries in, in a restricted field. They have to spread, and uh, and I have to say that uh, if I have to think now what we're publishing even in Nature uh, about this stuff, that would be impossible even maybe 10 years ago it would be crazy and uh, so things are really changing and uh, we, we have to take this opportunity to, to make people aware and also the scientific establishment that uh, what is um, uh, consolidated science up to now uh, uh, up to the point that it becomes a sort of obsolete mainstream was indeed revolutionary many many years ago and so uh, this is, uh, we, we have to avoid the sort of freezing uh, our consciousness, freezing our mind. And uh, so uh, it's important, of course, to, to, to have uh, journals uh, uh, in, in alternative medicine because they, they, they provide a sort of harbor place for people thinking in, in a different way and providing evidence for such a different way of thinking. But at the same time, it's also important to, to try to, to change the, the actual course. Uh, I think this is a moral obligation. Yes, I agree. And you know, the, when I said the words skepticism, um, it, it felt a little bit awkward to me because in a way what you're saying uh, is very obvious. Right, like yeah. maybe to even to even like the uh, not very well educated person, if you explain that every part of us is sort of like a being in itself and sort of kind of like also communicates in some sort of way with the outside, whatever the outside is, right? Yeah. Um, it seems obvious, you know. But like when you when you kind of like mention it in more of a traditionally traditional scientific uh, terms, and like you said, like you you started like in the mid mid 80s and uh, um, like things were very different then, but I'm very happy to hear that that things are changing in the last 10 years, as yeah. you were saying. And so, um, so let me find out. So when you started your research, uh, like the, the first kind of like ideas and uh, hypothesis you had, did you, did you really, did they just come from your imagination or was it something that you were interested in exploring or was there any particular uh, literature or or experience in your life that made you um, go down that path. No, it's 
it really started from imagination uh, up to the point that uh, in, in writing scientific papers, the, the most difficult part for many years was just, just uh, writing the introduction where you say, uh, you have to say, uh, why are you starting that paper, that research? And that you cannot say that you, you just had a dream mm -hmm. uh, or you you were playing music and some, some inspiration came to you that from the, 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 the symphony or the music notes, then you go somewhere else and then you, you see things. So uh, maybe maybe many, many years ago, it, it was that way. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, it's a sort of paradox that uh, the, the same culture that created the scientific reductionism uh, at their own times, many years ago, they were doing research in a very sympathetic way. Now, now uh, even younger investigators, they 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 need a, a let's say a robust foundation, which means that the main risk for this is uh, uh, my my former chief in the United States is like a brother for me. Said the most important thing is that you go from zero to one not from one to n and so that 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 one is uh, is opening a, a new landscape uh, going from one to n uh, is uh, is a confirmation of the same stuff and then uh, this is the route for having obsolete things and obvious thing, things coming on the scene every day and that's a, that's a risk so you said that you were as as a guitarist you even went to conservatory for a while and uh, I I, uh, I had some auditions because uh, uh, I was uh, uh, self teaching myself. Then 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 I went to the conservatory to see uh, what I was doing, and uh, I went up to the sixth year. But then the the, the rules were changing. And there were seven years, and then they had the three more years, so I didn't finish. Uh, my my favorite. Uh, Composers were Villa Lobos, uh, Oscar Boyer, uh, Brower, or uh, Agustin Barrios, so called yes. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Louis de Narvaez, Viola, or this, this uh, even the sound of Viola and Butte is, is very touching. Yeah, yeah. I also, I you know, I started playing classical guitar when I was 15. And wow. uh, it had a had a big impact on my life. I mean, without having had that teacher and that experience with the acoustic instrument, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um, so, with your you said your, that your mother has this um, important role in your life that she inspired you to become a doctor. Do do you can you sort of like recall the origin of? of that calling? Yeah, uh, the calling, uh, so my, my mother uh, uh, is actually, uh, is, she's here in another dimension. She passed away in 2009. And, um, and she was very sensitive, but in, 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 in the real sense that she was able to predict the future, to see things that other people were not able to see. And somehow she passed me this. So when, uh, uh, when I saw her uh, having some uh, cardiac problems uh, and I was uh, quite young, I remember I was less than 10 for sure. Uh, I, I decided whatever I'm going to do in the future, I, I have to save my mother, and so uh, so that that was the point. I started to, to think I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I think in in my family, um, what I only learned much later was that I have been kind of like gifted with some healing powers, which probably via the music. That's what I was thinking. But then um, as I was growing older, I started to realize that my father, um, although being kind of like, let's say, quite simple as a person, maybe, uh, he's always had this self-healing power, like on his own body, which is uh, incredible, like really uh, incredible stories in his life. And he kind of like um, uh, found this way of healing. But I have to say that like this, this idea to become a doctor is sort of something that was always a little bit of a, you know, I, I uh, worked as a, as a nurse in a hospital in the urology uh, mm -hmm. department for almost two years when I was doing my civil service. And being in the, in the clinical field, let's say, and seeing what doctors were doing and what they were dealing with, I really had no inclination whatsoever <laughs> to go into that field and um so for you as a cardiologist um how was that that first part of your of your life as a doctor was that kind of like very would you say that it was really like the traditional way of being a doctor or have you always even from the very beginning had your own views and also your own methods well uh and of course, I had to learn, uh, let's, let's say, usual things. I mean, the, the standard way of, uh, uh, of being a cardiologist. But then I tried to merge this with uh, um, other efforts. Like uh, uh, when I finished my specialization I, uh, and I was working in coronary care unit. So it was, um, it was a tough department. And sometimes uh, it happened that you, you really saved somebody when she or he was on the verge of passing away. And, and then, then you realize that, that there is a mag magic moment when, when this, uh, this chance to, to survive doesn't come from you. And, but you have to feel yourself that you really did all, all the things that you could do. And, uh, and the, the only way to do this is just feeling the, the patients and, 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 uh, and perceiving the fact that anyways, they're, they're happy, whatever it happens, they're happy that you're, you're working together in this. And so some of these patients, they, they, they called me as a doctor uh, to visit them at home. And then uh, I was uh, teaching them how to breathe, how to do qigong, how to use uh, breathing, and uh, in order to 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 calm the arrhythmias. And the results were great. So mm -hmm. uh, this also brought and, and and you know when I went to United States, I, I still remained in contact with uh, many of them, and um, and even with some of them right now. Even if uh, even if I don't see them personally, but uh, we we call each other, they're still alive, and they, they were supposed to be a very high risk for dying. And then they say, you know, I'm 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 still practicing. Uh, then I didn't tell you that uh, I quit taking some pills because then the pressure went too low, and uh, it was not supposed to go that way. So by practicing qigong, by by integrating the 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 
let's say conventional uh, medicine with the other stuff, uh, which which I call medicine anyway because it works. Uh, mm-hmm. they, now they feel much better and they much more balanced way of living. So that 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 was a, a sort of starting point that uh, that brought me to uh, ultimately uh, just on, only doing research now i'm not i'm not practicing yeah not in the clinical practice anymore so so at, at the beginning of your path and uh, working with these new but old and kind of obvious insights did you did you feel alone or did you did you find friends pretty soon people who were thinking uh, alike i found a lots of friends and doctors so I realized that, that, that there is a large community of people who are very committed, very dedicated to their patients, and they, they're very serious. They practice this in, in a very uh, coherent way. And mm-hmm. so uh, we joined because uh, it's important to, to have a sort of uh, critical mass in order to, to keep these things going. So, of course, uh, some... Some personal growth is something that you have to achieve by yourself, but but you have to to stay with other people, to confront with other people, to work together, in order to achieve the the best that yeah, you can. For sure, for sure. And uh, so maybe maybe I'm jumping here a little bit, but I'm interested in like in in your actual research. Um, and with the methods that you're using that I would also like to learn more about. Um, what was sort of like the breakthrough moment for you where you realized that your ideas, let's say, had some had some truth and also representation in reality? Um, when, when did that happen? And what was that? Uh, uh, it was around uh, 1990 five mm-hmm. uh, when when, uh, when I started to use magnetic fields on uh, on stem cells in culture mm-hmm. and and I, I saw that I could uh, orchestrate the same things even much better than using chemistry so the, the main issue these these uh, these cells were sensing uh, part of the vibrational nature of the universe. They were sensing magnetic field. Then, uh, then I went through uh, very old uh, papers because I was fascinated by the idea. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not from Bologna. Not born in Bologna. I was born in the south of Italy, in Puglia, in Trani. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Bologna to study medicine. And so, uh, this is the city where where Luigi Galvani. Uh, in, in the early 1800s, he started with the frog, with the the, the, the muscle stimulation, with electricity. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, despite all the the fighting that he had with Alessandro Volta, Alessandro Volta was right for, in, in many things, but nevertheless, Luigi Galvani uh, ultimately discovered the bioelectricity and uh, the the fact that we we are permeated by uh, electric flashes. Uh, by the electric currents, and that these may keep us alive. And this, I, I was aware, of course, by the history of medicine, this pattern, but uh, uh, then then it, it merged, it, it came to me again. I, I, it's, I, I'm thinking about my mother. This this image came to me, and 
and so while I was seeing that magnetic fields were, were even changing the structure of non-differentiated cells into the most differentiated entity, which is a cardiac cell, and, and the working cardiac cell that was building, uh, was competing cardiac cell. Then uh, I, I went through the literature and I found this name, Harold Saxton Barr, B-U-R-R. Uh, it, it was a professor of anatomy in Yale University in uh, 1920 up to 1950, 58. And um, he was a pioneer in bioelectricity. And uh, he was studying bioelectricity from uh, in the trees, in plants, in seeds, uh, as well as in animals and in human beings. And he discovered that he provided a strict uh, way to measure the electric field up to the point that he came up with uh, the, the clear-cut demonstration that there is a, uh, a field of life which is made by physical forces, is made by uh, electricity. And he conceived that besides having a frequency and amplitude and intensity, this, this uh, uh, bioelectricity also must have a sort of 4D dimension, three-dimensional shapes over time, and that you have many different times in the same time and space, which is the, uh, can I say, the, the way you look at a given cell, at a given tissue, you're creating the time and the space of observation, but that space entail, entails many different times and space all working together. So it's a multidimensional field. And um, he was able not only to detect the field with some voltmeters that he invented, and, and he discovered that, for instance, people with cancer, they had different uh, biofields, uh, bioelectric fields, but he was also able to interfere with the field and then provide some rescue and cure. And the fascinating story, if you listen to what I'm saying, then you will say, okay, uh, this guy mm, must have been... Uh, you know, surrounded by skepticism, or uh, he, he never published this stuff. If you go to PubMed, then you find that we'll find that he published at least uh, twenty or thirty papers in Nature, in Science, mm -hmm. in Development, mm -hmm. in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences USA. All, all journals that that provide the Nobel Prize for many people. Mm -hmm. So that this is uh, even more. It is beautiful from one side because uh, this means that uh, despite the fact that it was not alternative, more than alternative, it was a total revolution, he somehow found within the establishment somebody who believed in this, uh, in this new course, up to the point that some of the skeptics became uh, his disciples and, and, and continues his work. But at the same time, it's also very sad because uh, I'm asking to myself, how is it possible that after having put such a huge foundation forward, there was no subsequent course mm -hmm. and everything went through drugs, molecules, which are important, but, but not up to the point to control uh, a major uh, issue, which is how do we go from a uh, molecular shape or from a vibration, from energy or from the collapse of the, the, the wave function of energy that becomes solid matter. How do you go from this that you can find in a crystal, in a stone, and you can find in, in a molecule, in a cell? How do you go from this to the uh, 
hierarchical assembly of nanoarchitectonics in, in supramolecular interaction. How do you proceed from this up to the cell? And then how, how do you go from this to a tissue, an organ, or to entire individual? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you let, let me make this example. Let's say you, you enter in a room, right? I'm, I'm fully improvising. Yeah. And, and then you, you, you want to hack somebody. And, and, uh, but you're a molecule and the other, the other guy is a molecule as well. So the, the, the current view is that you have a lock and a key interaction. And upon this kind of an interaction, uh, magically will come up some information. This is what we were uh, learning at university, chemistry, high school, university, and what we were also teaching as a professor. Now, this may be true, uh, you know, if you put some water in, in the glass and you shake it, you have to shake it, then the molecule, they can freely diffuse, freely diffuse and they can do this stuff. Now, let's, let's say that you are in a, in a water, in an environment, and uh, you want to hug somebody to see, oh, beautiful, or I, I will never hug this guy again because that doesn't provide me the, the, the right feeling, okay? And you can swim. It's a little more difficult, but you can do it. Now, let's go inside the cell and uh, let's just make this comparison. Uh, if the, the gel is, it, it, of course, every people, everybody says um, it, it's water. 77% in terms of weight, 99% in terms of number of molecules is water. But if you think about uh, it, it's a gel. Why is it a gel? Because uh, the cell through its own metabolism produces uh, glycosaminoglycans like uh, hyaluronic acid and many others. So, and they have different stiffness, different viscosity. So you, you, you get stuck into this gel. Let's say you're very small, you're inside the cell and somebody's shooting with a gun and then the bullet goes through the, the plasma membrane. If you, your hand is touching the plasma membrane, then this will hurt your hand. If you move, then the, the bullet will slow down and down and it will become like a caress. So you cannot swim there. Plus, you're not alone. You have millions of molecules. Just imagine that you are inside this water gel and inside the... Uh, a very crowded street in Tokyo, and you 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 want to go somewhere, and all the other millions of people are coming the other way against you. You will never swim in that situation, and you will never find your partner. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, if if you still assume that molecules will create information by free diffusion, which is impossible inside the cell, only in a glass of water can happen this then how is it possible that uh, even an entire individual is, is uh, feeling emotions in few microseconds and uh, in front of uh, any any kind of deep uh, conditions or evidence your blood pressure is changing your 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 vessel they they, they change everything your neurotransmitters are released in few in a few seconds or milliseconds this is impossible mm-hmm. so you have we have to think in a different way and the way is that inside inside the cells, what we call the cytoskeleton, the microtubuli, for instance, um, or the filaments, um, they continuously vibrate. 
and they grow at one hand, they're demolished in, in, in at the other hand. So it's it's like having the stuff that grows at one end, it's demolished at the other. So it moves and it dances. Mm-hmm. So it's a mechanical way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's highly polarized, electrically polarized. So by moving and by dancing, it creates an electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. Plus, some of these molecules, they can absorb light, which is they can absorb the photon that move inside the cell. Uh, even if you don't shed light on the cell, the cell produces light in the form of electromagnetic radiation. So you have uh, elastic waves and, and then you have uh, elastic patterning of currents spreading at many different frequencies and you have light and you have uh, electromagnetic fields so whatever starts as a local phenomenon becomes non-local by by definition so it transcends the boundaries of the cells where everything may start and everything starts to vibrate uh, according to uh, resonance mode into synchronization modes Mm-hmm. And so let's say, let's say, for instance, that you have uh, your molecules and they have to meet without touching themselves. How is this possible? Uh, now, think about, uh, I will say all the molecules, they share the common structures. If you, if you think out of chemistry, you see it's a protein, it's a peptide, it's a signaling molecule, or it is even DNA. Mm-hmm. They have this uh, alpha helix, like a spring, a turn, a loop, and another alpha helix, and so on and so forth. So the alpha helices are springs, so they become like oscillators. Mm-hmm. And the loops between one oscillator and the other, we're talking about stuff of a few angstroms in the end. The loops in between these two springs are connectors between oscillators. Now, it may be a mechanical oscillator, but Let's think about a few amino acids, lysine and arginine. They have a net uh, positive electric charge on the amino group, aspartate and glutamate. They have a negative electric charge on the uh, oxygen of the carboxy group. So they are electric, mechanoelectric oscillators, and they create a field. Plus, they can absorb and emit photons. Mm-hmm. Now, Think about music for, for one second. What happens if, if you place a, a row of different metronomes uh, who are not synchronized and you place them on a very rigid surface? They will stay non-synchronous for, let's say, forever. If you place this uh, on elastic strings, then the, the elasticity of the string will vary and will create more uh, harmonics in the metronomes. And these oscillators will will see a sort of dramatic enhancement in their repertoire of vibration. So they will become synchronous in, mm-hmm. in a few minutes. Okay. So just think about molecules like uh, electromechanical actuators that are placed on this uh, circuits uh, of viscoelastic microtubuli and filaments. So th- this this circuit is dissipating differences in vibration in between several clusters. In other clusters, uh, there are other possibility to become synchronous, but the synchronization will be in, in a rhythm which is different from the other clusters. So you have clusters of molecules that without touching, they start to dance in phase on this circuit. 
And these are like the actuator of the bioelectronic circuit that is made by mechanic switch, switches or, or uh, electricity or uh, electromagnetic waves and light. So this is tremendously fast. And just to make this comparison with, with, uh, with the chorus, let's say that you, you, you need some a, a, a given number of voices to come up, to come up over a certain threshold with a message uh, which comes from the synchronization of different individual voices. And then you have another cluster in another place and another cluster, and they come all together. But in another room, uh, you have other people who are just trying to, to tune themselves. And so you have a synchronized uh, clusters of, of voices in, in the chorus in one room. So the, now they start to, sw to swarm they start to migrate in the other room and the other people will listen and they will start synchronizing in other melodies and altogether will, will come, they will come up with another symphony again or with another canon. And this is what happens in the cell. We have direct proof of evidence in very good journal that, that uh, all this stuff, they synchronize and they swore. And from one cell to another, we have this, uh, we call now tunneling nanotubes so uh, some of the stuff that I was using were carbon nanotubes. We will talk about this later if you want. But uh, these nanostructures, they connect the cells. And the cells, they create further structures and filament by secreting their matrix. So the cells are not separate. They are, they are like the chords of guitar, art. They, they, they are all connected. They are nodes. And what comes to my mind is that uh, human beings, they, they started with textile art, very, very early beginning of, of our history, we started with that, then we, we used chords that vibrate in order to produce sound, then we came up with uh, electric uh, wires, and then with electronics, and then with sophisticated AI, computational science, so we're just extruding uh, what we have inside uh, and, and we created these technologies. But I, I, I would do like to, to talk about technology as in the ancient Greek technique, this, the, the creative art of doing, not mm -hmm. the way technology is nowadays. It's something that is not uh, meant as something that can really help human beings. It's something that is becoming outside us. Yeah, yeah. In, you know, in, the there, there's so many, so many things I want to ask you more about. So maybe, like, if we just come back to the to the idea yeah. of synchronization, and you say it yeah. happens happens within the cell. So let me just ask you a really, uh, uh, like, is there, like, I would at, at least from my perspective, I would say, like, because your your metronome example, it's natural that synchronization happens if you have separate elements yeah. and they share a space so yeah. it's unavoidable right it's unavoidable that synchronization happens um that's what i would say um would you say what from your perspective or what you've learned is there a purpose for you know what purpose does the synchronization serve for the cell it creates information yeah. um, and and uh, so information is not something that uh, is a sort of an, a, priori, a priori, but uh, is uh, something which is dynamically created over time. Mm 
but the the astonishing thing is that it doesn't go into chaos, but it creates coherence. Mm-hmm. It creates harmony. And again, this uh, the capability of human beings to to create harmony with art, with music, with dancing, with the poetry, with ever everything, probably reflect this uh, uh, inherent tendency uh, to coherence that we have uh, inside uh, even ourselves or mm-hmm. and so the, the the issue then the main issue comes out that uh, we use this uh, somehow this term it's uh, random or it's, it's noise it's noisy and the signal is something much more important from, than the noise but probably is the other way around that uh, in, uh, within the noise we have so so tiny vibrations and we have this flow of energy and the collapse of some wave functions waveforms create solid matter or uh, many of these tiny vibrations that we don't see or that we think are chaos or random they they coalesce and then they create sparklets sparks and then a spike and then you see oh that's that's a signal it's important but it is important but the way it arises from the context is also important so if the context doesn't have a temperature anymore uh doesn't have uh, any structure do we still have the chance for having a shape and an information now the answer is yes so even in, in the vacuum the vacuum is full of information uh, and the matter and, and the solid matter arises from this now the question is uh, uh, what's what's the purpose for for is this information and uh, it's uh, something that science cannot answer but again if some if science uh, is humble enough to to take you to this front line and 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 let you see the landscape many other cultures and many other efforts that human beings have done throughout the centuries or the millennia then probably uh, there is a purpose for this and this is the this world that uh, it's love i mean it's love it's pure love and then uh, it, that creates the supreme force that creates coherence and then uh, mm-hmm. it's um people often especially scientists they're scared about pronouncing this word sometimes because uh, it's something that uh, uh, maybe brings to uh, philosophy religion whatever but uh, and it's not so uh, reductionistic uh, like like science uses to be too often but uh, um yeah yeah so th- there is this purpose and then uh, so the information it's not the electric field it's not necessarily the magnetic field or light or the vibration per se these are the carriers of the information yeah. it's like information is something that's is sitting on this uh, uh, automobiles and then the, the, the drives the, the engine and uh, towards a given direction yeah so it's it's the it's the pattern and it's the flow of of one state to another and like the yeah. con- the constant constant progression of um, of uh, order within what some people may call chaos but then probably yes. it's just a different different order of uh, pattern you know or of yes. or different and order even, of order yes <laughs> yeah. even, the, even the complexity sometimes we are scared about the complexity or the chaos or the random 
mm-hmm. randomness. But uh, if you think that it's just scale free, it's a sort of unlimited world of opportunities. Then, mm-hmm. then something beautiful, I think. Yes. Even if because uh, if everything was already known, it would be so boring that uh, you know exactly. Hey, so, so in 1985, uh, 1985, when you had the. Um, um, success of manipulating the stem cells with the electromagnetic field. Um, uh, like what you described was where like the, the, the positive outcomes you were able to, to transform the purpose yep. of a cell, right? Even to, into something very specialized. Yeah. And, and so, but within your, your experiments, did you also, I have to ask this question, I don't really want to, but did you also find that there was a way that you could, it could be used in a destructive way, the electromagnetic yeah. field? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let, let's, let's go with some order. Uh, so the first experiment were just done with a field that uh, uh, I didn't know how, uh, how and, and what to start with. So I started with a field of 50 hertz, and 0.8 millitesla, which is basically the the electromagnetic field which is generated by the domestic power line. Mm -hmm. So uh, in that way, uh, we were only able to to afford cardiogenesis, so cardiac differentiation. Then we we moved to another stuff and a technology uh, which was not mine, I didn't invent it, it was named uh, radioelectric asymmetric conveyor and um, this technology was invented by a friend of mine Salvatore Rinaldi lives in Florence and then uh, they, they wanted to to understand how uh, it was so powerful and uh, so it was a generator of magnetic fields at 2.4 gigahertz now I'm trying to answer your question 2.4 gigahertz is Wi-Fi energy Mm-hmm. as the same energy that is still used worldwide to connect via internet mm-hmm. and it's called wi-fi wireless fidelity and um but the wi-fi card in a computer the same we're using now it's uh, emitting irrigated power about 12 to 14 milliwatts and uh, uh, our cells have as uh, as far as we are alive as human bodies we do emit around 60 milliwatts milliwatts uh, now this device was emitting at two milliwatts, so the the field was extremely weak. But there was a cable with a probe that was intended to deliver and to concentrate the field in a specific tissue that uh, the inventors wanted to heal or to improve. Then they found that that uh, some of the some of the instruments were were much more effective in. Uh, we found out together that the, the cable was not connected, was disconnected. So we started to think, how is, how is this possible mm-hmm. that the most effective results were afforded by uh, an equipment where the cable that was supposed to, to focus, to concentrate the field in the tissue that you wanted to heal was more effective than the good equipment. So we, we made a, a replica of this working on stem cells. And indeed, without without the cable, 
the effect was very weak and not always reproducible. With, with the cable going inside the, the, the cultural medium where the cells were growing, the effect was astonishing. We, we could uh, drive many different commitments and, and differentiations, not only cardiac, but even neural, skeletal muscle, bone, cartilage. And uh, then we started to, to figure out why, which is what we published in, in Nature Scientific Reports and many other important journals. So wh wherever you, you are exposed to a magnetic field, the living tissues, the living cells inside the tissue are creating an endogenous electric microcurrent. This is known since uh, forever that when you apply magnetic field, then the cells are creating a microcurrent in response to the field. Now imagine that this microcurrent are like dispersed into the environment. It's like saying that the cells, they don't know that they are creating this response. So the probe, the cable was attracting this microcurrent and sending them back to the cells, uh, just creating a loop of microcurrents without depth limits, up to the point that the cells were creating a sort of resultant microcurrent, again, attracted and sent back by this probe to the cells. So the cell be became somehow conscious, aware of a sort of an endogenous electric signal that they were generating in response to a very weak incoming magnetic field. So th that's saying that the cells were somehow constructing their own signals, the signals that they were using in order to afford a major outcome, which is creating uh, and optimizing their electric polarity. So once the cell, uh, the stem cell, they, they go through a decision, they have to optimize their electric polarity, which in turn, in turn becomes uh, um, structural polarity, structural vibration, polarization of vibration, different elements. And so they become more and more uh, capable of doing what they are designed for. So if it is a stem cell and it is an adult stem cell that is not so powerful like an embryonic stem cell, the, the same adult cell will, stem cell will be reprogramming uh, herself backward in time, like it was an embryonic stem cell, but it is an adult one. And so th this is why how we discovered stem cell reprogramming uh, without using viral vectors or the other uh, molecular engineering, like, like uh, Shinya Yamanaka, for instance, he got the Nobel Prize in 2012 for, for reprogramming adult stem cells or even cells from the skin into embryonic-like stem cells. So we succeeded in doing the same thing with, without viral vectors, without, uh, let's say, cumbersome chemistry, but just with a field. Now, it happened that uh, uh, once uh, we sent one of these machines back for, for tuning, for revision, and we received it back, uh, we were not able to, we, we were only killing the cells. Oh. So I said, oh my God, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Then we found out that um, the way the system was tuned, because after learning the story that the cell was sending back, was sending back its own microcurrent, that the probe was attracting, sending back the current, we, we started to create a, uh, a program to optimize this uh, back and forth messages from the probe to the cell. So by chance, uh, what we thought was the optimal timing 
uh, was very close to a sort of an error. So just moving the interval in between one pulse of another for sending back this, this endogenous current back to the cells, the, by, by moving the pulse in terms of intervals a little bit more, we went into a context that was really harmful, harmful for the cells. So the, we moved a little bit backwards. We we prolonged the post intervals with, within the same stimulus and another, and everything came back to normal. So we were again able to to optimize the stem cell differentiation, the capability to rescue damage of tissue. Just to say, to answer your question, that is, it's really possible that uh, a very positive positive message can be turning into a very harmful one, in a very dangerous one, just not by changing the structure of the, the stimulus, but just changing the absence of the stimulus, which is the post interval, mm -hmm. which is which is a lot of thing to do with music. The pulse uh, is, is so powerful. Uh, the absence of sound after a, a given melody is so powerful in creating emotions and expectations. And, and again, our cells, they, they behave the same as we do. Yeah, you know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I have to think about resonance frequencies and like feedback loops all the time as you're explaining this, um, which I have like a lot of practical information with uh, or uh, uh, experience with, you know, in my work. Uh, but I'm also starting to think because I'm not obviously not a specialist, but you you can maybe explain that. But the way that the 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 DNA, the code kind of like um, creates both the plan and the materials coming from, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying this because I'm assuming it, that it's also some sort of like feedback, um, like a, a biochemical feedback system that then starts creating the cells, right? Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Would you say that? Because then, then it would, yeah. you know, then it wouldn't surprise me also that the same principle kind of like, um, it keeps it is intact uh, when there is a grown-up cell, right? Yeah, let's say this uh, DNA. It's a very, very, it's a very long molecule. It's more than two meters long. It's mm -hmm. packaged inside a very tiny nucleus. If you just try to draw a diameter, the, the nucleus may be twenty microns, something like that. So uh, just imagine this long molecule. It's packaged. The molecule has to twist many times, okay, mm -hmm. million and million of times. Now, the way it does this uh, again is like uh, helix turn helix repeated many times, and so then you have packaging in the, in, into the chromosomes, and so you have chromatin. Uh, but if you think about the, the the part of the DNA which is used to uh, in the transcription that becomes a, a primary transcript. And, and let's say messenger RNA, it's less than 1% of these two meters. And such a 1% is, is, is spread along these two meters. And so you have many different contexts. So the vast majority of the DNA was uh, was deemed as uh, junk DNA or garbage DNA because it was not supposed to do anything uh, useful for, for the cell and for biology. Now we know that this part, uh, the, the garbage DNA is probably the most important because it, it has a structure and all this bending, these loops, they continuously vibrate. And 
vibration is again mechanical electric and can can come into uh, uh, resonance modes let's say let's say for instance that uh, can you see this this is uh this is dna and and uh this is a starting point for transcription where where you can place uh whatever you want is just just the transcription machinery so the the transcription factor that these guys that tell this this part of the dna now you start making messenger rna mm-hmm. where they were supposed to to go here and this is the noble part of the dna this is part of the one percent that i was talking before now let's say that that the transcription factors and all the things that regulates the transcription doesn't bind here but here far away and all this part is garbage now by the way they bind they make loop like this mm-hmm. and this loop has inherent forces so elastically tends to open but this actuator keeps the loop so there is going to be vectors point pointing outwards that tends to uh, follow the elastic structure of the dna which will tend to, to reopen but uh, this transcription factors will bend the dna so this loop uh, will have vectors going outwards elastic forces of the dna that will tend to reopen and vectors tiny vectors going down which are creating by the transcription factor by this guy that doesn't bind here and bind far away so it bends now you're going to have a resultant vector and it's like a, a pushing hand that will push the transcription machinery forward enhancing the velocity of the transcription then you will say oh this is an increase in gene expression this gene is working much faster and it will create much more messenger rna which means much more protease which means much more information let's say the loop is going this way and the vector is just blocking the transcription machinery then that that gene is inhibited now this loop is vibrating and it is transmitting its own present presence across the other two meters so this system is consciousness and mm-hmm. it is mechanic electric and light so it is an antenna resonating not only inside the cell but um, it's uh, this is why we know that music and heart they can speak to the innermost, innermost dynamics of our biology because they can change the transcription of our genes and the sound vibration is not only mechanic sound it's it's uh, it's a sound of light it's a sound of colors uh, it's a sound that that replaces ourselves in the vibrational context of the universe mm-hmm. so it's music on either sound is in this sense and uh, so it, it is much more than than a genetic code this is why screening the sequence of dna it's only a tiny part it it pertains to one percent exactly like thinking uh, about the universe in terms of solid mass that means less than five five percent you know 95 percent is dark matter and the dark energy dark because you don't see it but you see the effects and these effects are moving the the, the galaxy and moving uh, the universe they, 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 they are rotating they are spinning there so all the, all the same stuff is going on in our cells 
So let me ask this question, like in, in current, current technology for uh, genetic engineering, right? Do they, do they take into account any of this findings or do, do they? No, no, but, but again, things are changing. And so people are start to go back to these uh, ancient findings, like the ones that uh, Harold Saxonbar provided many years ago. And uh, so mm, there is a large growing community of scientists worldwide that start thinking in a different way and producing compelling evidence, in, which is even more important, real uh, chance for, for cure, for, for tissue regeneration. Yeah. For instance, uh, one of these investigators, Michael Levin, who works uh, in uh, the Tufts University near Somerville, near Boston, uh, he has done wonderful work in bioelectricity and somehow continued the, the, the seminal discovery of Saxon Barr. And then uh, he, he came up with very fundamental issues. Let's say, uh, let's talk about the future in medicine, which is regenerative medicine. For instance, he provided evidence that uh, there are these creatures like the Mexican, Mexican axolot, as uh, lacustre salamander or the triton, the zebrafish, and they regenerate um, astonishingly uh, part of the, their bug. They say the Mexican axolot, you can put them in, inside the labyrinth underwater, and they will create uh, extra copies of their own brain in a few hours, oh. like a tumor. And they, they will start. Uh, you know, thinking in much more complex and faster way. So they escape the labyrinth when they are outside the labyrinth. They destroy this uh, extra brain by apoptosis. Now, can you imagine if we can do the same thing? Mm -hmm. uh, problems like Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson, stroke would be vanishing in a moment. Now you will say, these creatures, they must have a different DNA. No, mm -hmm. they're almost the same as ours. Mm -hmm. uh, in the same animal, you, 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 you make a lesion in the heart, just you cut the apex, which is terrible. They, they make a cloth, a blood cloth, and then three, four weeks, the heart is perfect, back, perfectly back. What if you block bioelectricity by blocking the flow of currents inside the channels, or you shield these animals from the, the way they resonate with the geomagnetic uh, field, the field, the magnetic field of the Earth, they behave like us. They're not able anymore to regenerate themselves. So again, oh. the, the genome, the proteome, all the chemistry, I'm not saying it's, it's meaningless. It's very important that this is the hardware. The software is somewhere else. So, uh, and we, we still, we have to retrieve our own ability to resonate with the, with the universe. Music and arts are, 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 the, are one of the most important pathways to me. Uh, of course, we can create devices, actuators, wearables, whatever. In my, in my crazy mind, these are just facilitators of what uh, uh, is expected us in the next jump in evolution. So mm -hmm. uh, is there a morphogenetic code? Yes. Can we uh, try to decipher this code to, to, to understand how it works? The answer is yes. For instance, what in, in the turning point for me was uh, 
Okay, many years ago it was around 2000, 2002 and four, where when I met this, um, it's a fantastic physicist is working in the University of California, Los Angeles. His name is James Jimczewski. And um, his companion, Victoria Vesna, uh, she created the uh, Arts and Science Club in UCLA. And they're doing wonderful work. And then, uh, so together with Jim, Jim Jimczewski, we started to work uh, with his microscope, the atomic force microscope. And uh, just imagine a, a finger of a blind man, just a few microns. And um, and then here, here's a probe, it's a carbon nanotube uh, that is only five nanometers in the diameter. So and it ends up with a single atom. That means that your finger can touch a single atom on, the, on, the, on any given surface, including a cell or part of the cell. So in this way, if you if you move and you touch the surface, even a single molecule will, will appear in this tiny scale like a, a huge mountain. So your finger will do like this while it's sensing the environment, the nanotopography. If on this finger you project a laser beam, by the by, during this movement, the laser beam will change its own reflection angle so you can sample this light and by the light you will you will create a, a multi-dimensional map of, of what it's not seen uh, it, it's perceived because a conventional microscope with with its own lenses is a projection of human eyes this one is like the, the finger of a blind person and so then you come up with a fantastic discovery that uh, shapes are created, generated and, and unfolded by the vibrational dynamics of forces that concur to the to the uh, generation of the shape. But the shape per se, it's not stable. It is a continuously vibrating entity, adjusting herself itself to, to the environment and creating uh, contributing to the, the same forces of the environment. So uh, uh, let's say that you are in a mechanical environment, but you are also electrically charged. Then you will contribute mechanics, uh, electromagnetic and light, and you will resonate by, by these forces. So this is going to bring us to a sort of uh, theory of unified field where uh, you cannot separate these forces. Mm-hmm. Let's say, uh, uh, let's say that you you touch the strings on your guitar, and then and then that's a mechanical vibration, but you're touching your fingers. There is electricity on your fingers, mm-hmm. uh, and this uh, there is humidity in the air, uh, and there is light going on, and th- you cannot separate this anymore. So the question is, uh, it's vibration. It's not just to use a, a, a vague term, but it's just to have a broad Term, broad enough that can embrace all these different, uh, these multifaceted uh, uh, entities. And uh, now the question is: Is there is there cold in these cells? So do I need to to figure out to figure out the frequency, magic frequency? And we came up with the conclusion that there is no magic frequency, but there is a symphony, there is a melody in these yeah. cells. So what we found is that um, at the very it, it happened by serendipity that we wanted to to tune the system 
And so uh, in order to tune a system, you, you, you need to be sure that you're not dealing with artifacts. So uh, we, we placed this uh, atomic force microscopy in this, uh, this probe on very simple cells, uh, like yeast cells. Uh, they're very simple, but they, they have a very, anyway, complex metabolic activity. So by if you change the substrate, uh, you change the food in the system, they will start recruiting genes that will encode for the enzymes that will use that particular food. If you change the, the substrate, the, another set of genes will be recruited. And if you change the temperature, uh, the genes will work at different speeds, different velocities. So we found that there, were, uh, there was a vibration only few nanometers, only few carbon atoms stuck onto each other and uh, there were musicians in this uh, in this lab so they 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 basically they they rose the pitch of the vibration mm-hmm. and we found that whenever you were changing the substrate or you were changing the temperature um, there was like a symphony not not just a frequency and then uh, uh, the same thing happened when when i met uh, milford milford grace he he, he was uh, he was a fantastic uh, drummer, fantastic percussionist, and uh, he was also a very was a fantastic uh, scientist of the sound per se. He, he, he knew most of everything about the sound, much better than a physicist. And so uh, he was thinking that the way the percussions were born was. Uh, the, it was an ancestral time where people were feeling their own heart rate variability. So the the, the variability within one beat and the other. So this this interval is surprising variable in in, in the most healthy people. So the, if you if you plot this variability over time, you may come up with the sinusoidal curve. And then you say it's it's a coherent heart rate variability, or it may be completely deranged if you have heart disease, for instance. Mm-hmm. And what's important is if, if you try to cure a cardiopathic patient, then the, the heart rate variability will, will turn from a non-coherent to a coherent fashion. So in in the in the mind of Milford, the heart was the 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 baby field. He was aware that it was the first morphogenetic event, and also the way the the tribal rhythms were fashioned was to avoid adaptation because adaptation is a sort of death for for biology. If it mm-hmm. becomes the same monochord rhythm, cell will die, and you can see this very very easily in culture. So uh, if you try synchronizing cells on what you think should be important, they will die. They need to come up with their own variability, with their own uh, polyrhythms. And so he started to record the sound of the heart with with an electronic stethoscope. Mm -hmm. But instead of doing what a scientist would have done, uh, which is just analyzing the sound, he... uh, went back not to the to the sounds you can hear something that you can hear but to vibrations and he found just a uh, a part of the uh, heart cycle in the beat in the heartbeat that was coherent which means that by plotting the logarithm of the frequency 
versus the logarithm of the power of the sound, uh, he found some frequencies that were on a straight line, which means that if some other matter was present around this spot of vibrations, then matter would have been arranging itself with a given geometry, something that Chandley, for instance, uh, has done in the history of, of music. You know? So the, uh, in this way, he, uh, the frequencies were around 5 hertz, so you cannot actually hear any sound. So he rose the pitch, and he, if you were just uh, listening at two, four heartbeats, it was not like it was a melody. Mm-hmm. And by, by giving the same melody, to patients, he was healing their rhythm, and he was curing himself. He, he, he found, unfortunately, he found to have a, a cardiac cardiac uh, uh, amyloidopathy. It's uh, it's a very severe disease. It's uh, uh, it's the, the um, accumulation of amyloid protein in the heart instead of having it in the brain, like in the Alzheimer's disease. So it was always very brilliant, but it's a, it's a genetically encoded disease. He had this in the heart and mm-hmm. he was supposed to live just a few months. It was keeping going and going. And the way uh, he was saying, uh, I became uh, the explorer of humanity of my disease. So it was very profound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was saying, even in such a condition, uh, the rhythm are very different, and the way you can talk through this rhythm still makes my heart my true composer and my true conductor. And uh, this is uh, great. And we did that 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 experiment in 2016. I don't know if you if you know about some melodies that we did in Bologna. I do not know. <laughs> Uh, that was really touching because uh, uh, he, he came to Bologna uh, and, uh, and he was not uh, allowed by his producer to, to give a concert. So it was a scientific experiment. Mm-hmm. And we were on the stage of this theater, which was uh, arranged in an ancient church uh, in Bologna. And, um, and um, we had a microscope equipped with the hyperspectral imaging camera. So uh, it's a special camera that can follow the vibrations of cells by by monitoring the scattering of light. Like it's, instead of using the atomic force microscope that can keep trace of a single cell at a time, then you can, you can look at the entire culture of cells or even uh, at the entire individual. And then uh, uh, what, what is beautiful is that uh, uh, we found that, that while he was performing, uh, cells uh, were passively adapting their own vibration to his own rhythm. But then he was instructed to, to keep the phrasing a little bit longer instead of changing immediately. And the cells were, for each phrasing, were, were then developed their own rhythm and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So they were feeling this, this rhythm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a world premiere. Then I had also this actor uh, who was, uh, his name is Alessandro Bergonzoni, was requested to to speak with a loud voice some some comics, to talk about some comics and make people laughing, and then, then to talk to the cell in a dramatic improvisation. And mm-hmm. so, again, it was 
uh, quite far away from the cells when he was speaking with a loud voice. It was very close to the cell when he was delivering this dramatic speech. And the, the, the main uh, context of this uh, uh, improvised speech was, okay, okay, guys, your cells and your stem cells were supposed to regenerate ourselves. Can, can you take us from out of our sad human conditions? And, and it ended up like... Uh, an answer that was uh, like misery. And so we were keeping traces of this uh, different behavior. So the question was, first of all, is there any different behavior? And uh, it turned out that then it was just speaking with a loud voice and, uh, and delivering a very uh, superficial message. Only the plasma memory, the surface of the cell was vibrating. Mm-hmm. When he was delivering the the, the, the tough message, improvised one, he was close to the cell. So this allowed us to sample a moment from his own voice with the same uh, um, sound pressure in order to make a comparison that was not related to the intensity of yes. the voice, but it was related to the meaning that he was trying to deliver. And in this case, only the, the, the nucleus and the DNA were vibrating. Mm-hmm. So this was published also as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and from that moment onwards, we continue to work on this. So we have done another cell melodies with, uh, with a dancer. Uh, Mick Zenin is the first dancer at the Teatro La Scala. And we recorded its own heart variability. It was very... Uh, uh, so his physique was very tough. So the the, 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 the rhythm was coherent. The red variability was coherent since, since the beginning. So uh, we said, is there anything that can create deep emotions in you have to make this rhythm going crazy and maybe super coherent? Then he, he recalled, uh, he was remembering uh, a, a piece on the piano. And... Uh, there was pianist there. He was. He started to play this uh, this piece of music, and so we recorded deep emotion in the heart, and the the heart rate variability became super coherent. So we we sent these traces from Milan via web uh, to my lab in Bologna, and by mechanical trader we delivered the same traces to stem cells, and only the super coherent ones were able to to make the cells. Uh, and to create an increase in proliferation number of cells that were growing in culture and they were optimizing their, their own metabolic activity. So that means that the emotions that he was feeling were traveling through the body. You can imagine that the, the sound from the heart can go through the capillary vessels everywhere. So uh, it's this in our mind was just uh, uh, somehow making uh, aware the, the audience of, of the feelings uh, that can can move an artist and the audience will become sort of an explorer of these feelings and vice versa. So we're still perfecting this this kind of an experiment. It's it's really it's really um, it's really everything's really obvious that you're saying, right? In a way. Yeah. And and I find, you know, having worked with music all my life and having you know you, you use the word love as sort of like the, to describe maybe the software that runs on the structures, let's say that are there. Yeah. And, and um, my love for music has led to this 
understanding of um, picking up on these signals. Well, well, let's just say the things that are between the lines, right? So the meaning, the yeah. the the um, um, kind of like what what language really is about, right? Languages, languages. Yeah. Um, if you take the meaning away, language is just, you could say it's noise, right? Yeah. But as we know, there is, there is, there is meaning conveyed with it. And I'm fascinated by the prospect of use or of what you're saying that even, uh, 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 cells can kind of respond to meaning, which yes. is, it is absolutely fascinating. And, um, can I ask you, um, to maybe something about the, 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 practical implications for example in cardiology um, um, because like like how I mean just this is just really like a technical question but like how yeah. does how does one uh, use stem cells to heal a heart we don't uh, I mean uh, we are now uh, deciphering uh, the signatures from from the cells and from the tissues even mm -hmm. in vivo we can do now mm -hmm. and um so it's there is no magic frequency frequencies but there, yeah. there is a symbol okay it's a melody so there will be a melody that the cells will express when they're trying to resist a, a hostile environment like hypoxia or or damage, uh, uh, or let's say myocardial infarction or stroke or any other um, damaging conditions. And uh, at the same time, there's going to be a symphony that the cells do express on many interconnected levels, vibrational, electric, magnetic, when they transform themselves to uh, cardiac cells or, or, or uh, neural cells or skeletal muscle cells or bone cells, whatever. And there must be also a way uh, cells become younger and younger, which means not just, you know, some aesthetic, uh, aesthetic medicine, but they recall an ancestral memory and they merge what was going on at the time of the embryogenesis, just think a singularity, a single oocyte, that like the Big Bang, it gets fertilized and this wave becomes an entire individual. And at the same time, uh, why is it possible that, that during, in, in the embryo, any defect leads to spontaneous abortion and these totipotence themselves are not able to rescue? embryo this is why they still they're still forming the tissues and the organs they don't know the story the story will come later with the adult cells but the adult cells you don't need to kill an embryo to have embryonic stem cells this is another message you can reprogram your adult cells and even your skin cells they are not defined they can go back in space mm -hmm. and time mm -hmm. they become they become embryonic plus now, there is now this recent discovery that we have this uh it's called muse m u s e muse cells that is multi multi lineage differentiating stress enduring cells and these are really embryonic like stem cells still retained in our tissue so what we call the adult stem cells are probably the guardians of these cells and they avoid the these cells they drift for instance instance into cardiac or metastatic cells. So now just think that uh, sound 
light, magnetic field, electric field. By definition, they, they, they share diffusive features, so they can pass through your body. Even a sound can be actinated, but it goes through. And so we're relying upon the diffusive features of these physical energies to target the stem cells where they already are, uh, they're resident in all the tissues of the human body. So we don't need to transplant stem cells anymore, but we can reprogram those cells in place and uh, where they already are. And just, uh, it's a way of boosting our inherent ability for self-healing. You were talking about your father and his ability for self-healing. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, just imagine that uh, some of his knowledge can be passed uh, to, to the others and, and uh, it's like uh, the, the information is in his cells they may may spread and, and teach other cells how to do the, the good job mm -hmm. and so all the devices that we're doing they are created in a form of wearable something that you can wear something that some energy light or mechanical sound that you can deliver in, in a given tissue because the same the same waveform will sort different effects according to the tissue and the concept, the contest where you deliver it. But then you don't need to transplant stem cells anymore. And again, this is disruptive because uh, this way, uh, very cheap, uh, they can be uh, used in everybody, but still they can be tuned in such a way to, to make, yes, regenerative, but even precision medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, according to the individual needs, we're still on the on the trajectory of you know uh, uh, harvesting the, those signatures. It's not so so easy because then we have to to discriminate between noise or better understanding how noise creates the signals, and uh, so the signal must be amplified, but the noise must not be destroyed completely. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is uh, this is somehow tough, but um, yes, this is this is our strategy, and there are just there are some promising results, and we hope that in uh, in a few years we we may come up with a with a number of uh, can I say signatures and devices that we can really help people. But for now, uh, the arts and and uh, the arts in general are probably the safest way to to heal yourself. This is yeah. uh, like absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yes. And and this is something that everybody should should practice. Everybody should understand uh, in which uh, art field she or he is more prone and practice and practice every day. It's, it's so important. I mean, uh, it's not uh, just uh, ten minutes or, or one hour every day. It should be should be kind of commitment. Yes. Uh, also, practicing other other disciplines like like uh, whatever you think, uh, maybe yoga, maybe tai chi, maybe qigong, maybe painting is something that really uh, really uh, is feeding your, your consciousness uh, because. Uh, uh, of course, the, the information of consciousness is something really fantastic. It's this wave, wave of love. 
but it may speak through photons. It may speak through through a dance of physical energies. So that's uh, and uh, again doing this together, uh, convincing people of the strength of this will uh, will also create different awareness. So I'm confident that our biology will shift to this. Will change mm-hmm. in in the good way. Now we we're, we're witnessing a, a situation where. Everybody wants to to change uh, biology of human beings for uh, his own purpose, for uh, his own benefit. But uh, I'm I'm sure this this won't last. Uh, I'm confident that uh, a new a new course of uh, deeper understanding uh, of each other's and uh, and that that the only way we can really evolve is through a jump of consciousness and just. Uh, you know, uh, trying to 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 really eliminate duality, eliminate this uh, this idea that uh, where is light must be necessarily also the dark. Well, it it always been that way that people have been suffering and people have been doing the worst things to other people. Like uh, at the same time, people are doing wonderful things. We have to come up with a deep choice that is uh, uh, abandoning this this continuous alternating stories and you know I'm, I'm very optimistic um, as well and I, I, I believe though that the this jump in consciousness or like the level of consciousness it's something that maybe well, this is just like how I imagine it would be something like like you go to bed at night and you are a being with only one eye, right? Mm-hmm. And in the morning you wake up and you have two eyes. But in that moment where you have two eyes, you don't really have access anymore to the person or to the being that had one yeah. eye. And yeah. so that's that's how I imagine like these these jumps yeah. in our evolution. And so we, we may not even uh, realize that we have jumped, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's one thing in my, in my art that I'm sort of like um, a little bit obsessed about, uh, or have been for a few years, is like to transfer the um, musical relationships, to say the intervals that I play on my instrument into corresponding movements where there's like a like a coded system where mm-hmm. like a specific movement means a specific pitch and then there's also because like with with a guitar instrument you have you have obviously copies of that string so you have different scales of mm-hmm. vibration in one instrument which is amazing because it teaches you yes. to scale intervals yeah. to different materials and yeah. And, and so, so the system that I'm teaching is, is where like specific movements along the instrument, along the strings kind of corresponds with specific sounds. And then you, you, can, you can switch the whole thing around between the hands. And, and the fingerings, the fingerings remain the same. But the spatial relationship, which kind of like existed on one string, gets then transported into, onto two adjacent strings. So, so that means you're learning, you're learning the dimensionality of one string and then crossing over to other strings. You're learning the same relationships. And um, 
It's it's yeah. it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Wow. Yes. yes. And um, you know, and if, if speaking about improvisation, um, it, it's always such a um, for me such a um, almost humbling humbling experience to allow my body to to oscillate. Right, so so it's that it doesn't have to be my 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 brain or my thoughts. Yeah. You know, it's just just my body oscillates and to just move move my body to make the sounds and and um, and it's it's connected. And this is maybe also maybe because I asked about the skepticism first, right? Because I have a lot of skepticism even towards my own art. Like I know sure. I can do it and I do it. I just I just kind of like say fuck you right in a way yeah, and yeah, I'll do yeah. it I'll do it I'll do it anyway I'll yes, just move my yes, and, absolutely yeah and uh, keep going keep <laughs> going my brother <laughs> <laughs> and then what comes then what comes out is kind of like uh, so intense and and kind of also wrong in a sense like there are so many things happen that are unplanned so many things happen that are surprising and because they're surprising I find them exciting but at the same time uh, I think there's also this part of me that com compares what I do to what exists traditionally, let's say, and, mm -hmm. and it's it's like this it's like this constant this constant flow and back and forth between like the conscious and subconscious and and it's this like you say it's this dance, right? Yes. And and I I I have to say I experience that um, most of the time of my my conscious. Uh, life you know this this dance and it's um it's a wonderful thing and now having heard your perspective also explaining the uh uh yeah the biological foundations really and i mean like like i said for me as somebody who doesn't even ask i don't even ask myself the questions that you ask yourself to me i say yes right i say yes Kao. yes and i would like you to uh to give us many more uh uh, papers <laughs> and publications, you know, as many as many as possible, uh, so that uh, others can kind of like jump on the on the train. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, yeah. 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 I'm I'm curious. I'm curious about how uh, things will go, and the the pandemic is sort of like an interesting trigger, I would say, for yeah. for for change. And um, yeah, I. I I have to say that I don't have a clear vision um, for what's going to come, but I'm I'm certainly curious. Me too. Me too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I I have faith. I'm I'm confident that uh, uh, okay, we we are seeing many bad things going on, but also we will have uh, many good things, and we we may have a choice. Then it's up to us. Mm -hmm. So yes, yes. So do you still play music? Yes, yes. Yeah. Sometimes yes. Uh -huh. yeah. And you still play guitar? Yes, classic guitar. I don't I don't have much time to uh, can I say to improvise or to refine, but uh, uh, I feel good uh, and and I feel that the, the way you touch the guitar is creating uh, completely different feelings 
so the, the polyphonic structure of the guitar, even if it's a very simple classic guitar, but uh, um, I've been somehow lucky because uh, I, I started with uh, many master classes with Alirio Diaz when he was in Italy. So. Uh, um, he, he was a direct disciple of Andres Segovia. And again, he, he, Segovia was self-teaching. Uh, he was teaching himself. He didn't go to a, a real school of guitar. And then uh, he came up with this uh, this wonderful touch that he has. The way uh, he, he was keeping the right hand was very peculiar. Then then many others, they, they said it was wrong. But mm -hmm. to me, it was the, the way he was using the fingering uh, was really was really amazing. There's something that I, I learned, so uh, it's like a precious gift for me. Whatever I I want to listen to. I, I believe that uh, people who are who are using strings to make music, they we really have the most direct connection to the experience of vibrations and of, yeah, of the the origin or the the material yeah. or the software whatever you yes. want to call it uh, and we experience it directly we experience it yeah. even like without without uh, anything uh, uh, there's no intermediate no medium yeah. in between somehow and no, you know no, no, with, right you know with this instrument that i play which is just a regular guitar basically but the way that i play it where i just use one finger to to hit the string i even remove the the need to uh to synchronize the picking end or the picking and the fret wow. so so it's even more immediate and it's it's like a really wow. it's really like the 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 range of expression is pretty minimal compared to regular guitar but what happens is that we're in the in this field in this smaller field the resolution explodes like 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 any single any single uh, movement, any single thought, any single emotion I have sort of like immediately kind of interacts with the vibration of the string and we, it's this feedback loop and it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. And even, even without, if I, even if I wasn't making any music for other people, I think I would be touching strings. <laughs> well, almost every day. I understand you. I understand you. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so touching. Yes, it's touching. You know, but you know, yes. there's, there's so many people that play key uh, keyboard instruments, though, and I, I love the uh, the grand piano and the sound of the grand piano. But in terms of having like a direct experience of the vibration, having the keyboard in between the fingers and the yeah. string, is really is really uh, removes you very uh, absolutely far absolutely. from. Uh, uh, Anyway, <laughs> even even the way you breathe, it, 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 if a very good classic guitar, the way you breathe uh, it will, will affect the sound that comes out. Yes, so. yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a magical it's a magical world we live in, and um, so um, what are your pl future plans? Well, uh, future plans. Uh, I would love to to complete this journey, this part of the journey, in, in uh, you know harvesting these melodies, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and 
somehow come up with a repertoire where where uh, we can pass uh, all these discoveries to artists and uh, and walk together and and walk this line and and discover new things together with artists and scientists design experiments together with this is my future and in uh, i'm sure that um uh, these two fields will come back together as a unique field. Wildness must they must come together again because they were not separate in ancient times. I mean, science and arts they were mm-hmm. one, one one unique field, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we cannot explore. Uh, and most importantly, we cannot co-create reality if we don't come back together again. And then that's just. Uh, recognizing some some brothers that maybe uh, have been working together in other lives and then uh, uh, so I see you and may say may ask you where have you been all this thousand of years probably so <laughs> it's time to to work again together so that, that 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 the feeling I have and of course uh, in the meantime if I can come up with some device that May act as as a wearable, as a facilitator of just delivering this uh, this this melodies. Uh, I would be more than happy. That that sounds like an amazing uh, uh, aim. You know, it's it's pretty much pretty much very similar to what I think I'm doing, or what I'm trying, what I'm probably not always doing, but when I have the freedom to create. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is sort of my my objective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I have I have still have so many things to say. Like for for example, um, I had one incredible experience with an Italian in '93. Uh, I was uh, in Venice, uh, Venezia, and uh, and there was. Uh, uh, a young young man who kind of like you know that they have this palmistry place where people pick your hand and and so there was this guy who took my hand uh, left and right and I can remember and looked at it and said uh, in English this is the oldest hand I've ever seen go away <laughs> this is what like one of one of my first experiences in Italy <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's become a sort of like a like even I had a phase in my career where where I had uh, my palm as my logo because mm-hmm. of that experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's um, let's um, obviously keep in contact and um, talk, and talk again because I have some some ideas I want to share about like the the melodies that you're talking about. I, I believe that there is um, there is a principle um, for construction, even if I may say so, of these yeah. melodies. There's there's a, a, a natural principle, um, even even like in the in the generation of of the, the the system for music that we're using with the twelve notes. There is a simple explanation why it exists. I think and. And uh, why mm-hmm. we have why we have the pentatonic scale and the diatonic scale and there's there there's simple explanation and there is there are principles and I it I wouldn't be surprised if uh, 
these principles could be used to um, to create powerful sounds, let's say, powerful melodies, or as you say, symphonies. Because I agree, if you if you overlap many many cycles of musical logic, let's say, um, you create yeah. a symphony. And, Absolutely. And and Absolutely. that that is what happens when when uh, an endless number of elements interact in our world. It's, it creates this this amazing symphony. And Absolutely. There, there must be there must be a way to get somewhat close to it um, um, with uh, you know if, like we I think we can we can make that kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's. <laughs> let's. <laughs> okay, Carlo. It was a real, real pleasure. I think we've talked uh, yeah, almost two hours, so that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> the same here. Yes. It was so beautiful. Thank it was, you. It was so wonderful. <laughs> like it was. It was amazing. I, and I. I still. I will. I, I will watch. Just listen to this uh, again many times, and I will write down some more questions for next time. Okay. I'm here. <laughs> yes. Okay. Whenever you want. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Big hug. Ciao, ciao. Big hug. Yes. <laughs>